everybody, and welcome once again to the Meat Grinder, your weekly dose of high school football in Connecticut. And what are you laughing at, Pete Paguaga? I don't know if you are you trying to do like your Halloween scary person voice. I just that was just really funny. No, I'm not doing like a scary Halloween voice. I'm just <laughs> I'm trying to get into the flow of this thing a little bit. You know what I mean? I'm trying to get to the, I'm trying to get a personality here. You know, uh, like Wolfman Jack. You know, anyway, welcome to the meat grinder at the top of the show. You heard a little montage there of Jeff Jacobs, big cross country, cross country, cross state trip from Quinnebog out in Killingly all the way over to Abbott Tech Immaculate in the Danbury. And he will have him on a little bit later to talk about that. Also on the show this week is Mike Sericchio from Ledger, the first year coach from Springfield College, the cradle of coaches. He'll be joining us a little bit to talk about his team's 2-0 start heading into Waterford. And uh, it is uh, it is Alliance Week, Pete. It is Alliance Week here, uh, Al Carbone Special Week. Coming up to you, uh, we have about 23 games going on this week. We have 23 games on Friday, I should say. And then about 27 overall. I, I can't even really, I don't know what the exact number is here, but uh, you know, who knows how many of these, these games are getting postponed or who knows by the end of the week. It's been kind of crazy with the COVID postpones and we had nine last week, so I don't know. But let's not talk about that just now. We got Alliance Week coming up and uh, I'm fired up. We had a pretty interesting week of football last week. Um, kind of leading into this Alliance, we, we some questions answered, some questions that have been brought up, you know, our game of the week was kind of a dud, for example. Yeah, I, it, it kind of was. Uh, I think St. Joe's is that good. I yeah. think Morrissey is that good. I think Maxwell Warren is that good. I think Riley Jordan is that good. I, I, I think they're good. I think, you know, after the first week, people are like, is St. Joe's that good? Is Dan Barry, ha- you know, that bad? And watching them two weekends in a row, two weeks in a row, I, I really do think St. Joe's is that good, regardless of they might be undersized, like some people say. The opponents that they've played, they have dominated in both of their performances. I think St. Joe's is that good. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've, I was shocked that they that Staples didn't put much up, much more of a fight. I mean, you know, Joe is gloom and doom to start the year, and you know, yeah, Morrissey's and all the, the Silva and you know all these guys that we hear, but they're all still the young younger brothers. I mean, I, I mean, they're that good. I, they, apparently so. And now they're going to play a big game, one of the big games this week in the Alliance. They're going all the way up to Windsor to face a team we haven't even. You know, really discussed much yet uh, this week, but the Windsor is a pretty interesting team. I had him in my top 15 somewhere in there, I think. Um, and now they go all the way up to, up there to CCC country. It's the first time they've ever played, you know, and see uh, just how St. Joseph does at the state level. But that should be a fascinating game. Yeah, I think it'll be it'll be a good litmus test or litmus test, whatever it's called, um, because Windsor is good. Windsor is athletic. Coach Fleeting does a great job up there. It's nice to see St. Charles get out of the FCAC before they play, you know, the Greenwiches and the New Canaan's and the Darien's. Um, you know, I, I think we're still, you know, I said this every week, but I think we're still trying to feel out who's good, who's not, who's legit, who's not, you know. So I think this is a great test for St. Joe's. Um, but I, I, like I said earlier, I do think they are that good. Wasn't close, Pete. <laughs> no, nope. wasn't close. Nope. Uh, you know, and some some new names kind of came to the fore there. Uh, what, what happened in that game? Riley Jordan happened. Uh, Riley Jordan is a really good running back. And, yeah. I, you know, Coach Dell knew he was going to be their guy when the year started, but there was a big shoes to fill. I mean, Jaden Sheardon was one of mm. the best players in the state, probably the best running back in the state two years ago. And he started for four years at St. Joe's. 
Um, so those were big shoes to fill. He had two big runs on their first couple of drives, rushed for about 100 yards, had two scores. You know, Morrissey continues to do it with his arm and his feet. And, you know, De Silva, you mentioned De Silva. He made two great plays on defense late in the game with two fourth down stops, you know, blitzing off the end, hitting the quarterback as he's releasing the ball. You know, it's the same names. They're just younger. Windsor, you know, should be a challenge. Obviously, Cromartie, we talked about him. They won the passing league, the new Canaan, grip it and rip it during the summer, which I wasn't there. You weren't there, so I don't even know what the heck happened. It's not football. So now it's for real, Windsor. Now it's real. It's time for you guys to, you know, to actually uh, to actually put the pads on and play. I'm sure they're really fired up to do that. Let's see what they got. Um, and on uh, on Saturday, um, one of our big games, actually, even the Alliance coming up on Saturday, you got to see Greenwich for the first time. And they put a, you know, Ridgefield. Down, down there at Boyle Stadium because they don't have their field. And uh, I'm over. Neither, uh, neither, neither team neither has, team their, has field. their field. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I forgot all about that. But, you know, that game, I was just kind of following a little bit on Twitter there. And, you know, I guess I was so far behind that I'm sitting there scrolling through it. And then I was like 42 to 14. And I'm like, Greenwich is great. And I heard coaches say they're great. And this is an affirmation. And then I, you know, literally drove like, you know, 20 minutes down the road. And I get to my back home. And next thing I know, it's like 42, 35 or four. It was crazy. Yeah, that game was wild. And I, I said this on Twitter, you know, people forget Richfield didn't play week one. And all those kinks that we talked about after week one of these teams being rusty, making mistakes, trying to play a football game for the first time in close to two years. Like that was Richfield for the first three, two and a half quarters. And then they kind of started to click and get better. Like it was a hot day. Uh, a lot of guys were sluggish towards the end. Greenwich is good, but I really think Richfield's pretty, pretty darn good too. Keller uh, under center. Nick Wright had a couple of touchdown passes, uh, receptions for Ridgefield, but Greenwich is good. Uh, they got multiple weapons. You know, if it's not Lucas Galata, it's James Bibb. Bab. That's like the yeah, third time I've done that. <laughs> yeah, I, I did it to him to his face, too. I apologize. I was like, why am I calling him Bibb? James Bab. It's Lucas Galata. It's Chasen Barber. Like, they have guys. They have weapons. And then on the defense, you have Griffin Galata, Lucas's younger brother, sophomore who's like six three he's just a monster he was terrorizing the ridgefield offense all day with a forced fumble he had a pick six you know i love big guy touchdowns yeah you know he had pick six right in front of me um you know they got they got dudes and uh either i think it was a combination of maybe they took their foot off the gas a little bit or you know ridgefield kind of started to click it was their first full game action in a really long time um, so it was, it was really interesting. I was getting ready to leave when it became 42, 14. I looked at Scott Erickson, our reporter. I was like, all right, I'm getting out of here. And then we started talking to someone and, uh, all of a sudden I like look up and like Richfield's threatening down two scores. And I'm like, I guess I have to take my camera out again. I guess I'm not leaving. So Greenwich plays, uh, Shelton up there at Finn stadium. I can't remember the last, I don't think Greenwich has ever been to Finn stadium. Now that I really think about it, unless they played a state championship care back in the day, but uh, it's been a changed place. But that's a great matchup. I mean, that's a, that's a really fascinating one. Like I, you know, they, they have history. They played in two state championships, uh, you know, 20 and 15 years ago, um, you know, in Greenwich, Greenwich won the second one, you know, and obviously uh, Danny Orlovsky won Shelton's championship in 2000. 
that should be a really fascinating. I, I actually had a chance to go see uh, Shelton play Amity. Uh, my old alma mater, my old alma mater, finally has a turf field, which in 2021 is just absolutely amazing. The rest of the SEC has basically been a, a, a turf league for the last 10 years, and Amity, like the last one to get, even Hillhouse, they they renovated Bowen Field before Amity got the, you know, the, the Sim Complex, the Johnson Field, the Sim Complex, all gussied up, but I hadn't seen Amity before, and I get there, you know, I see our boy Jack Coughlin, uh, the St. Joseph transfer, and I see his, his brother Pat, and I actually went there for those two guys, and let me tell you something, Jack Coughlin, how the heck did I forget him in the top, I mean, not top, but the 25 players to watch, Pete? I don't know. I was, you know, I'll be honest with you. I didn't even think of it either. I just remember when you were like, yeah, I'm going to go to the Amity game. Uh, I want to see the Coughlin brothers. And it it just clicked in my head. And I was like, Sean, we left him off the 25 players to watch. How did we do that? He's going to Navy to play lacrosse. They might want him to, they they want want him to to play play football. football. (laughs) You know, he was (laughs) starting on the St. Joe's defense when they won a state title two years ago. Like, how did we forget him? Like it, it, I don't know. It, it was just a, the mind. It was a brain fart of epic proportion. <laughs> My apologies. This is the second week in a row. I'm apologizing to an entire family. I apologize to the Coughlin family. Uh, last week was the Morrissey's, which I made amends with them on Friday night. Oh, good. Uh, with the father, Pat, and a couple of the cousins who were on the sidelines. Um, but so now, public apology. I'd like to make a public apology to the Coughlin family. I'm oh. sorry, Jack. I'm sorry we left you. I'm sorry, Stanford Steve. If yeah. you're listening, we did not mean to offend your nephew. He should have 100% been on that list. We just forgot. I'm of the mind that, you know, we left them off because, like, let's give the other kids a chance. <laughs> you, know I mean? you know, like, oh, yeah, yeah. He's obviously one of the best players. It's not a top. It's not a top 25. Let's, let's everybody calm down. We got killed left and right of who we left on. I mean, Thierry's killing us. Uh, we have all these other guys that I did not hear one peep out of John Coughlin, their dad, Stanford Seed's brother. I did not hear one. He did not say a word. He didn't say, Sean, how could you do us dirty like that? Not one thing. The guy is just, you know, they well, just do their just, jobs heads down. Just make sure Fornavaya puts him on the 25 to watch for boys lacrosse, okay? Well, let me tell you something about Coughlin. Now, the first thing, yeah, I'm like, oh, I came here to watch him. I'm like, I can't believe I did this. What does he do first play? <laughs> what does he do first play? First Shelton Drive <laughs> interception in the end zone. You're like, oh, boy, <laughs> he's going to really stick it home here. And then uh, then Shelton gets the balls back. Another <laughs> another key moment, picks off a pass, takes it down to the, like the 10-yard line. I'm like, oh, my God, he's got two interceptions already. I'm in big, big trouble. <laughs> so, but Shelton's defense showed up, too, including Matt Lokovich and Joey Gelati with the sack, strips him, forces the fumble. Jeff Wojewicz recovers, and Shelton's defense ends the scoring threat. And, uh, you know, next thing you know, it's 0-0. And Amity hasn't beaten Shelton in, like, since 2005, I'm looking back at. You know, it was a, there was a bad Shelton year. And I think that was, that was, I think that was the year or one of those years, 2005. But the thing was, Shelton got the ball uh, to start the, uh, well, actually, a three and out. The defense played great. Three and out to start the fourth, sorry, the third quarter. And uh, they got the ball and with a short field. It's fourth and just about three or so. Aiden King made a great play, gets second ever, goes in, and, uh, and then that was it. They, they, Shelton scored the two touchdowns, and their defense played a great game. Amity, not bad at all. Now Shelton, 2-0. They're finished warming up. They got a big game versus number four Greenwich at Finn Stadium. 
I don't know about Shelton though. Their their offense might need a little work, need a little work, but uh, they were pretty happy about this this one. We ran the huddle. He told me what play we were gonna run, and uh, I was just thinking to myself, I'm gonna get it. I was hoping for a touchdown, but you know, I had to fight for the extra yards no matter what. That was a big deal. You know, needed it to change the way the game was going. Kept messing up down near the goal line in the red zone. Uh, big pick me up. You know. Get that first score. How about the defense tonight? Oh, our defense is amazing. One of the best in the state. We're coming out, we're coming out every game, shutting teams out. Not a pretty two and out, but not I'm a sure pretty two and out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'll take it. You know, get better every day. Uh, I think they perform well, other than a couple issues here and there, letting a couple holes through. But the linebackers, I thought, filled the gaps pretty well, made my job a lot easier. Not a pretty two and out, but I'm sure you guys will take it, right? Ah, uh, two and out is two and out. Yeah. Yeah, uh, correct. You always got to correct what you did wrong, but still feels good going into the weekend. There's uh, Aiden King and my boy, Matt Wiener, the big boy, the big lineman. Funny thing quick about him before we go on. Wiener, Wiener goes, you don't want to talk to me. I don't want to say cliches. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Let's just put you on camera and see what happens. And he was great. As you saw, he was great. I mean, I don't know. Pete, your thoughts about this game, Shelton and uh, and uh, Ridge Greenwich. Their defenses have been great and they're gritty. And they, Another they, Lockovich. They, yeah, they fight on the line of scrimmage, and they're great on the line of scrimmage. But, yeah, you know, like, I think they just need to get that offense going, and then they'll be the Shelton that we know and fear. You know, just kind of going a little bit around the state on uh, Saturday, I got to see Hall, this kid, Leo Pereira, who had scored. We, when we recorded our last uh, podcast, he had that night, I think it was Monday Night Football, right? He, they played uh, East Hartford because they got their game pushed. Yeah, they got their game pushed because of COVID reasons. They got it the, the Monday. And this kid, Leah Pereira, who I obviously never heard of, scored six touchdowns uh, in a uh, in a victory over there, a shootout victory. And then they're playing a Simsbury team, you know, because they had the extra, the extra days off. They needed the extra day off. So they played at, at 10 a.m. up in West Hartford. And, uh, you know, Simsbury, we already talked about a bit last week. Evan Wallace was great. You know, two first couple times he touched the ball, he scored touchdowns. But this Hall offense, let me tell you, man, it's not just Pereira who had, you know, another 200 yards rushing, four touchdowns, including the winner. But it's also this quarterback, uh, Eli Solomons, who who completed 14 feet of 16 passes for like a 200 change and, and two touchdowns. This guy, this offense can move the ball whenever they needed to answer Simsbury, man. They did. It was a interesting game. Now, I've never been to a Hartford game. Uh, sorry, a West Hartford game before. But let me tell you something about this, this, this place. I don't know if it's their regular uh pa guy but whoever this guy was he was hysterical <laughs> he was like the, the, i knew something was up when he started like admonishing people pete for not being chipper enough and and and, and loud enough for, for a 10 o'clock game as i said oh usually i don't like the the, the pa announcers kind of getting a little too into the game but this guy was like if the best way i can describe it is he was the guy from if you ever seen Robert Altman's mash, he was a deadpan. It's an announcement, but it's a funny announcement. And uh, you knew you were in trouble when he started throwing shade at, uh, at when they're beating Simsbury, he started saying like uh, these, these hall baseball teams having their fundraiser and we're having it at your field, at your golf course. And your pro, your golf pro is a West Hartford and his kids go to hall. So he goes, join us for our fundraiser on your golf course. Simsbury fans, we cordially invite you to join us on your golf course. With your golf pro. <laughs> I, 
you know, you you called me on Saturday and were telling me about it. And like I've said my piece numerous times on the show about PA announcers. Uh, that's funny. I get a big kick out of that because like you're not really paying attention to what they're saying. And then you hear it and you're like, wait, did I like did they just say something like that? <laughs> it's the PA announcers for me who like call play by play that yeah. drive me up a wall. Yeah. You're like video or we're recording or you're watching the game and you're like you could hear the PA guy be like, oh, watch out for the guy on the right or watch out for the fake. There was one game where the PA announcer was like, oh, oh could be a fake here. I'm like, huh? Yeah. Uh, that drives me bonkers, but this guy sounds absolutely oh my God. incredible. Uh, I have his name here somewhere and I cannot find it for the life of me, but uh, he was hysterical. And the, it was I, I did have a clip. Let's get a listen to that. But I'm going to preface this by saying he began this because I, I wasn't taking any footage of this guy or any. I, I'm like, I got to record this for Pete. He goes at halftime. He says, please, you know, just deadpan. Please have our take a look at our uh, uh, at our great selection at the the booster clubs, uh, the uh, concession stand. He goes, I, and then he goes, I can't tell you how good the cookies are unless someone brings me one to the press box. <laughs> and here he is right now that I'm like, I got to record the rest of it. I want to take this time to thank the people who took me seriously and sent chocolate chip cookies to the press box. And ladies and gentlemen, the chocolate chip cookies are that good. And he's like, he's like, here are you. We're gonna have an auction for this glove. Take this glove. <laughs> Look at this glove. I have this glove out here. And he's like, getting back to my glove. <laughs> I won this at the Friends of Hall baseball golf tournament two years ago. Oh God! Oh Pete, it was just good. Uh, I mean, if you have a chance, <laughs> this guy's funny, man. Uh, I don't normally like the the PA guys going nutty, but this guy was hysterical. And then the other thing, the other game I saw was was Cog and Shug, uh, who was giving us the business, Pete, about picking against them on mass about their fourteen to zero victory over Valley Regional. Valley Regional had some guys out because of COVID, but uh, but our guy here, Anthony Toth. You know, he was he was it was only 14 nothing. But, you know, he ran for 114 yards and had a touchdown. And when they needed to put the game away, they gave the ball to this kid. And he just carried a bunch of uh, Valley Regional guys on his back and ran that clock out. Mike Eagle with big win. And uh, here he is now talking about they're going to Denny's. They're going to Denny's. I think that was great. You know, we were talking about all week because we know we know game time CT. They all voted against us, so we were talking about that. We were getting riled up. We wanted this. We wanted this bad. Yeah, and you gotta get that rock, oh. man. They're like, we're gonna, gonna keep feeding you, and you're like carrying like six or seven guys a pop. You know, how does that feel to, 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 to put away a game like that? It was, it was definitely tiring. I was really hoping they were gonna give it to someone else at least one time, but it was great because you know I knew I was finishing the game for the team, and it was just great to finish it. How about the guys up front for you making those? Making oh my it, gosh, we're going to Denny's. We're gonna get some pancakes. They're we're going crazy this game. Denny's, huh? Yeah. yeah. Where do you guys go? Uh, the one in, um, oh, I, I think, Wallingford? I don't know, somewhere around there. I... Yeah! Yeah! Let's go, Tony! Let's go, Tony! Let's go, Tony! Sorry, I had to, I had to play man. subterfuge there. My man, yo. I love you, bro. Um, this is this is one of the people who blocked me. This yeah, another, they're beasts. They're beasts. You know how we do it. No one can stop yeah. this man. They can't stop He's these insane. guys either. <laughs> so that was my Saturday, Pete. <laughs> Good looking. They I don't like me. Denny's. Huh? I don't like Denny's. <laughs> it's not like Sizzler, right? Uh, I mean, I, I grew up more of an IHOP guy. Like yeah. if we went to any I'm definitely an IHOP guy. 
But like I, in college, across the street from our house, at the end of our block, at the top of our block, we had a Denny's off exit 59 on the Merit. And uh, we'd go there a lot. They have bacon on everything, which I can really appreciate, but just not a big Denny's guy. Yeah, well, what can you do? I mean, I'm, a, I'm with you on I, I do like the there's a great place in uh, uh, with State Street. Um, where is it in North Haven? There's a great breakfast plate. State Street Cafe, I think. And then oh, yeah, I went there a couple of great places. A couple go of months bring ago. your guys. That's a place to go to that, certainly. But just going quickly around the state, there's some interesting. I mean, uh, just some highlights, some performance here. Cam Edwards continues to just crush it uh, for Norwalk. And uh, <laughs> what can you tell us about him? Uh, he's good. And the thing is, he was on our 25 players to watch list. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he played as a sophomore. Uh, he was good as a sophomore for obvious reasons. He played for Sean Ireland. He rushed for close to 700 yards, had 12 touchdowns as a sophomore. He's got seven this year already. Uh, yeah, he had 30 catches. Like, he's a player. And I think. You know, Pat Miller coming from Shane, where Pat was the OC when they had Jordan Davis, Terrence Bogan, and he was on the staff when they had Zach Davis. Like, he know Coach Miller knows when he has a guy, and he's not going to be afraid to give him the ball in any capacity, whether it's in the air, whether it's on the ground. He's going to put the ball in his best player's hands, and that's what he's doing right now with Cam, and Cam Cam's a stud. Uh, you know, and the numbers are the numbers, you know, like Michael Jordan said, the sky is the ceiling or the roof is the ceiling, but like the numbers are the numbers and the kid is just flat out balling. Five touchdowns, four rushing, one from 82 yards out and one receiving. They crushed Ward 46, 13. Another guy who had a great, great game. We didn't really talk about was Nick Saku from Massick. You know, Steve Christie, we left him off our top performers last week. He had a pretty good start. He ran for 158 yards, three touchdowns and a win over Bennell, which is pretty good because Bennell is now one on one. They beat up on, uh, on Pomperog. And then last week they played Stratford. They went over there and he, uh, they, he just 239 yards and five touchdowns for Sacky. So uh, Steve Christie wanted to make sure we got him in this time. So hopefully we did. Another guy who had a great game of encore performance, Christian Garcia from Harford Public. We talked about Harry, we talked with Harry Bellucci last week. And uh, I mean, this kid is just crushing it. I mean, an interception return and return to punt 53 yards turned out to be the winning one. Um, it's setting up a two point conversion run uh, with about five to six left 14 to 13 over Lewis Mills. The Owls are two and oh, the kid's a player. I saw him again in that first game against Northwest Catholic and uh, yikes. That's a, you know, <laughs> I, I can't be too surprised. And then you have Austin Howell from Newington. He had another great game. Three catch uh, caught three touchdowns, ran for another converted five, two point two pointers. Five, which is second best all time in the game. Yeah, 52-42. Outlasting Manchester. We've got a pretty good quarterback, Adrian Parker. who's had a pretty good game, but they're 0-2. That's been tough for them. And then the other guy I want to talk about real quick is uh, Soren Reef from Killingly. I mean, we, we all talk about Jack Sharp. This is Jack Sharp's understudy. He's actually like, you know, kind of stealing the spotlight a little bit. Yeah, Jack Sharp ran, was the lead rusher last week, but he wasn't in week one. And uh, some crazy things going on there. And they already have the, his replacement grooming. It's a sophomore. Team. Yeah. I just want to do quickly shout out uh, Stonington. Uh, won their first game in like 1,100 days. Yeah. Uh, snapped a really long losing streak. They won 60 nothing. Nine different players scored a touchdown. Oh, my goodness. Nine. Wow. You know what it was a really interesting in the ECC was uh, how about a Wood, Woodstock Academy? <laughs> Taking NFA down to the wire. Down to the wire. They were leading the entire game. 
this kid, uh, Ethan Davis. Now, Scott Erickson did his their preview and Ethan Davis. They're like, he was a quarterback when he was a sophomore. And I'm like, OK, you know, then I looked up Woodstock Academy's ECC record since they were a program. It's like they won five games and two of them came in 2019. Now they've won. They've won a sixth game and they almost won their seventh. And now they're like, they're all chirp. Now they're all chirping. Now they could have won that game. NFA had to rally to take the lead. 21 14 Woodstock. Go actually. Was, yeah, 21 14 Woodstock goes down. And scores immediately with about 46 seconds left. Davis on, on they do a little reverse. They do like a, a double reverse. Ethan Davis has the ball, gets just stopped, just short of the goal line, and then they get they get the onside kick and go down. They kick a field goal, gets blocked, and NFA survives. But Woodstock, ah, that was pretty impressive, man. That that was an eye opener for me. They've yeah. been NFA before, but once. You know, a long it's, time ago. it's always interesting when NFA plays ECC teams because, you know, with the whole history of the ECC and NFA yeah. and like it's like Woodstock and the entire ECC against NFA. I feel like that happens all the time. Yeah. A lot of people are probably rooting um, for Woodstock to win that game. I, that was a crazy close game. Granby Stafford was as well. Oh Stafford God. scored with four minutes left and uh, Coach Brian Mazzone went for two. Uh, it failed and Granby held on to win 20 to 19. There were Luke four. Marr. There were four defensive touchdowns in that game. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, Luke Marr, he had a pick six, rushed for 141 and a touchdown. Logan Briggs was on the 25 players yeah. to watch list. Uh, your he had, contribution. He apparently, Granby just locked him up offensively because he is a player. All right, he couldn't do it on offense. He had a pick six and a 40-yard uh, fumble return for a touchdown. So, yeah, he's not, he's not going to beat you on offense. He's going to beat you on defense. But, <laughs> you know, that's a great that's a great Pequot matchup. But I really think Rockville losing to SMSA and Granby handling SMSA week one, and now they beat Stan, uh, Stafford. I really think Granby, Granby Canton might be the team to beat up there. And then obviously you have Cromwell Portland down, uh, you know, uh, along the shoreline of the Pequot. It's a pretty good team too. So I think we might see a little shift at the top of, uh, of power in the, in the Pequot this year. I would be remiss if I didn't talk about our guys from hand and uh, beating West Haven for the first time since 2009 since uh, Scott Benoit was there. Um, this was the first time that uh, our guy, uh, Tom Dyer, beat them there, and they beat him in overtime, 13-6. to six. How about this guy, Cameron Winder? All right, so two block punts, an 81-yard interception return, and he broke up the fourth down pass that won him the game in overtime. I mean, <laughs> have, have a day. Yeah, <laughs> have a day. I mean, you have two block punts. I mean, meanwhile, Fairfield Prep is in a bar. I didn't even talk about prep as we wrap up here. Fairfield Prep, we're like singing their praises. We're mea culpa, ma'am. Sorry for doubting you. Blah, blah, blah. They're in the top 10 at number seven. And they barely got out of there against Hill House. If it weren't for their special teams, three block punts, two for touchdowns. An unbelievable performance. They're just getting out of there alive. Oh, my goodness. Crazy. There's a lot of wild games, and I'm sure we missed a few over here. But let's just quickly go through the top 10. Not a lot of changes here except for one. Going up from the bottom, number 10, Killingly, 2-0. Number 9, Daniel Han. Han had their game versus uh, versus Sheehan postponed because of COVID. Apparently, East Haven played Sheehan. Someone there, contact tracing, and wiped out the Lyman Hall game and the Sheehan game versus Han. So, uh, Han didn't get to play. This week, they got New Canaan coming to town. 
that should be a real barn burner there. Uh, number eight is Xavier still. They are going to, I don't know where they're playing at Ridgefield. Do you know where they're playing Ridgefield, Pete? Uh, yeah, apparently they have a second turf field at Ridgefield. So apparently that's where it is right now. Uh, I have reached the one out next to, to the, next to Tiger Hollow. I believe so. Oh, that'll be fun, apparently right? there's going to be a lot of lawn chairs. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, number eight is Xavier, you know, two and all they wiped out uh, Wilbur Cross 56 to 12. Number seven, Fairfield Prep, we just talked about him, and uh, wow, um, yeah, that was uh, interesting. Hill House, I'd like to, um, you got my you got my attention, Hill House, that was an interesting result there. Number six is Southington, two and oh, they beat Glass and Barry up 28 7. Number five, New Canaan, two and oh, who's uh, who's given New Canaan schedule to New Canaan? I mean, who's uh, this ridiculous? They're playing McMahon, they're playing Bridgeport Central. I mean, like, you know, is that what you and Darian also getting like uh, some of the some of the struggling teams? Yeah, you got to do better than that. FCX, they're number five, New Canaan. They're finally going to get their big first game after getting a little warm up here. Number four, Grant talked about them. Uh, they got one first place vote. They drop from three, probably because people are like, hey, you know, you got to can't let can't take your foot off the gas there. Number three, Newtown with three first place votes. They lost one. How about that? Uh, as we head into uh, this week uh, and then number two, St. Joseph, five first place vote. And of course, number one, Darianne with 13. They're getting more. And guess what's coming up this week? We didn't talk about it, but we will all week on Game Time CT. It's Newtown versus Darianne three of the last three years. Obviously, you know what happened in Newtown, Darianne two, which was the state championship, the class below final one on a walk off. We've talked about it ad nauseum. And I'm sure Darianne wants to race that. From everybody's memory, Pete, just some quick thoughts on that one. Yeah, I was actually I went down to Darian practice on Monday and I uh, got to talk to David Avantrek, who played on the field, uh, was on the field uh, that game for the final play. Uh, Miles Drake, the Darian quarterback, who was actually in the press box filming um, and coach Mike for for who was the defensive coordinator uh, at, uh, at the time. And, you know, it, they're excited for another chance. Um, obviously the stakes aren't as high. And uh, I think even David Ivanchek told me like we expected to see them in the playoffs the next time we had a season. Uh, I don't think they were expecting them to see them in the regular season. Maybe we'll get a, we'll get a part five or four in the playoffs. Um, but they're, they're chomping at the bit. They're ready to go. They're excited. Um, you know, and this is bigger than them. And I, I spoke to them. I was like, Oh, is there like a buzz going on at school? And, and Avanchek was like, it's more from the alumni. Like, you know, it's the guys who were on the field that day who, you know, lost in the graduated or the guys who were juniors who didn't have a senior season. Like, that's who they're playing for. And I think, you know, I don't want to speak for Newtown, but I think it's kind of the same way. Like, if you don't think that some of these guys from Newtown are hearing from Jack Street or Riley Ward or Jared Dunn or James oh, Knox, you know, being like, hey, keep it going. Like, you know, we, we got ourselves onto the onto the center stage. We proved a lot of people wrong. We shut a lot of people up. Keep it going. Don't make it seem like it was a fluke. So I think there's a lot on the line in this game other than the number ones, you know, in the poll. Because if Newtown wins, they should be number one if they knock off Darianne. Mm -hmm. um, but who knows how the poll is going to shake out next week. If Newtown wins, um, you know, the pickums are coming out the day after this is released. So, you know, I don't want to spoil uh, who picked what, but, uh, you know, I, it's going to be a good one. Yeah, no, I'm anxious to, to see that. I like these Alliance games, Pete, um, these these matchups. 
I just think they're, uh, you know, I don't I don't think we need another couple of weeks of this stuff. I think it's a little bit too much. You know, I, you heard me. If anyone heard me on George Mayo's show talking about it, uh, I think the, the crossover, the one crossover is good. I, but I like two. I like two. I, I, I don't like the two. I just want these I don't two. like the four. The yeah. four crossovers is ridiculous because the NVL and the Pequot need to get with it. Um, I think we'll see the Pequot in the alliance maybe as early as next year. If that's a guess. I have no information on that. I just think that, you know, reading Jeff's column from a couple of weeks ago, like the Pequot has interest. The Pequot has piqued their interest or the alliance has piqued the Pequot's interest. Say, say that three times fast. Yeah. But I, I think, you know, if they can get everyone involved, I think it will lessen those games from four to two or one because um, this slate of games is exciting. Next week's looks kind of exciting too, right? Prep Greenwich, Cheshire Norwalk, St. Joe's Xavier. Those are good games. They pique my I interest. Just, there's something to be said about, about playing the leagues here. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I like, I don't know if the Peacock needs it, to be honest with you. I mean, maybe you get one crossover, which is, you know, kind of, but I think you need to figure that, but there's a whole nother show we could do about that. But I just like the idea of teams playing rivals and some of these, some of these games, man, it's just not going to move the needle. The fans won't come out for them. It's going to be crickets there. Nobody cares. Like, if we're going to have this stuff, let's get it a little bit closer. If you're going to match them up by by your size or your power, then let's, let's come up with a formula and match them up into, like, a league. You play seven games, and then, you know, you can do with that what you will, and you actually win something. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. I've talked about that a bunch in the offseason uh, and all that stuff. They are exciting games, so I'm fired up about this stuff. Obviously, this game against Darien and, uh, and Newtown is going to be a huge one. Uh, and it's going to get a lot of interest in, in high school football. The high school football season is going to be packed place down at Darien. It's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. And with, uh, you know, COVID still out there kind of mucking with the schedules. You know, we haven't seen any forfeits yet, but we well, <laughs> I'm almost guaranteed we're going to see one. It'd be nice to kind of not think about that stuff and watch a really good football game. So uh, with that said, we got to get Jeff Jacobs on here to talk a little bit about his big cross state trip. Uh, last Saturday in the uh, CTC from Quinnebog to Abitech. Back from his long ride to the opposite end of the state and back. He's here to talk about it. Jeff, welcome back. <laughs> what can you tell us? How was that trip on Saturday? It was it was a hoot. It was great. My only disappointment was that I didn't get the ride in the blue bus of the technical schools because they didn't use them. They used uh, the two yellow buses. Coach uh, Joe... Um, told me that um, they take up some of the back uh, benches in, in the in the bus and uh, put uh, supplies back there so they couldn't fit all the kids. So they, they just use yellow buses. But it was great. It was great. Yeah, 220 miles round trip. Um, that's a lot of – did you get to put mileage in with our company? I did not. It was only, uh, it was only about nine miles, I believe, from my house to Ellis Tech and Gillingly. So I, I will put in for 18 miles around Pete. <laughs> well, I the mean, other you ones know, are, on, are, are on me. <laughs> you know, if you haven't read the column yet, I, I highly recommend it, uh, tagging along with the longest, you know, ride of the year. It's on GameTimeCT.com. But – I mean, a yellow bus doesn't have TV like, you know, like, you know, some coach, you know, teams take coach buses where they have TV. What were the kids doing to, uh, you know, stay, you know, what were they doing on the bus for that long? Because I hated taking the bus to school. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. These kids were good, really good going, going, going to the game. They uh, put their headphones on, uh, talk quietly among themselves, took naps, uh, 
their uh, their star running back uh, Lee Chavetti. He 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 went out for a nap almost as soon as he got on the on the. Uh, on the bus, which was a good thing because these are two way players in 80 degree heat. They don't, this is not one way, uh, FCAC stuff, you know. So he got his nap in, but it was, uh, it was, you know, there's no, uh, no laboratories either on, on a yellow bus. And at the going out there was smooth. Uh, you know, you got 101 to 44, and then you get, then you jump on, I mean, uh, you're 44 to 74, then you get on, uh, 80, uh, I 84 out near Yukon and, uh, you go all the way to Danbury, but it got backed up on I-84 near Danbury, so they got off early. And unfortunately, it was nothing but a uh, a uh, lot of traffic and red lights. And uh, as one player said, hey, you got AC? And the bus driver said, I wish. <laughs> so it, got, it got toasty in there. The last 15, 20 minute, minutes was a little toasty. And then another player yelled out, hey, I'm going to have to pee out the window. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Coach Asimelli, Joe Asimelli, who was just a, who was a Joe really is great awesome. about this. He's really great. He played at Hofstra. He's a big guy. But fun, uh, and uh, he just turned around and said, relax. Six more. Oh, he only got six more minutes. Uh, like I said, it got got very long. The, it was 221 in, and the game only took 206. <laughs> Jeff, I, you know, I don't know if it's changed since I was in high school, which out of the three of us, I was in high school, you know, the most, most recent. But like, I thought all the cool kids sat in the back. Oh, they do. Oh, no. no. Oh, yeah. I'm not the cool. Yeah. Kid. I, I did make one. I thought I made a great call. <laughs> I left the front row open for for Coach Joe because when I covered the National Hockey League, you always left the, the front row up for the coach. And then if there were any assistants, then the media. So I got into the second row, but he like he put me back in the front row because he wanted to sit next to Daryl Brown. So this was like on the way there, two and a half hours or whatever, two and a yeah. change. Very focused. I mean, you talk a lot about focus in the game. You know, they got a big game. This is a team that, you know, very good in the CTC and they're really, really focused. And then they go out there and they blow their doors out which was shocking to me. I was like stunned. I mean, usually ATI is a great program and they still are. Chris Pace does a great job. He was at, at he hadn't lost the game at Board Havens. And then he, they come out here. You have a Quibog Valley coming out from after this long bus ride. And then it must have been like just Bedlam on the ride home. Like, you know, everyone's focused. Yeah, no, and then it, it, it was Bedlam on the field. The pregame talk, I, I like ducked into the huddle there and, uh, Coach uh, Asimali was uh, he was talking like we're going to hit him with full speed, full speed, full attack mode. They haven't they haven't played a game yet. You know they didn't play the first week ATI, and so that was a big thing with them to you know go full attack on them early on and, and see what happens. And then he and then he he gave a real good. I thought he gave a ra- pretty good rousing speech about like. Uh, uh, whatever it takes three nothing you know thirty one one and. Uh, it was like there's going to be cramp in there. It's going to be hot. It, it, it's going to hurt and all like that. Let let them make the excuse, excuses. We won't make any. They dominate. They do, just dominated. They had a big day. And then afterwards, it was beautiful. You gathered them. You, you know, you know, all the players in baseball wait for the uh, uh, the guy at home plate after it's a game winning home run. He runs into it. They wait for the coach to do that. And they all, all were going nuts. Every time I'm going nuts. Uh, and then he, he gave this great speech. He goes, look at guys. It's like I told my wife, uh, wife when I, when I asked her to marry her, 
I love football and I love you and all the they all, <laughs> all not so it was it was just being on the you know kind of on the inside and watching all this uh, transpire was really fun. Well, Jeff, when was your last you know uh, when was your last tech league game? I mean, you covered one before. The only tech league game I ever covered, and it was really this one left me very dismayed. It was Cheney Tech at Killingly in a state playoff game. Mm. And it was like a zillion, a lot to a little right from the start. Well, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is like, you know, listen, I've been to a few of them and they're fun football games. The kids get yeah. into it. They, so, I mean, we look at it from like, the, oh, do they belong in the state playoff? Do they belong? In, and they may not. May, maybe they belong in another type of division or maybe a lesser division. But there is no question. This is a new, relatively new phenomenon that the tech leagues, the tech league having a football league, as little as uh, 15 years ago, there were, an only, there were only a handful of teams, Bullard Havens, and I think that was it, playing right. tech football. And uh, you have all these games. You talk about participation. Uh, Al, what do you think, uh, you know, I mean, it's a great league, I think. What do you think that there's what's their place in the state? I'll admit I've had a jaundiced view of it at times. But after that was one of the things that coming out of this experience that I love the most. Those kids. Well, first of all, a lot of the kids, about half the teams from Ellis Tech and they right. come from they come from several towns. These kids, they're already working. They're already focused. A lot of them they're not going to go to college, you know, like Chevetti, he I. The coach told me he was going to be a, a plumber. Hmm. And the quarterback, Mike, Mike O'Merrill, he's going to be a barber. He has a nice head of hair already, so he's, I think he's suitable. But, you know, these are going to be our pipe fitters and our plumbers and our yeah. electricians. And, and they're going to make bank. Make a great living. But they love football every bit as much as kids that, you know, that want to play in college and everything like that. So that from that standpoint, I was real. it was really fun to watch. So it was really cool. That was uh, – and just being on – that's the first time I've – been on a high school bus athletic team since I was in high school, which was a zillion years the, ago. The thing I take out of this thing is that, listen, the, there's a big balance of power shift in the CTC. You know, Bullard Havens looks like, you know, they got wiped out by Thames River the other other day. And, uh, you know, we we're talking a bit offline. That these two teams, if they think keeps up, they're as good as we think they are. They could be at a showdown there for a state playoff spot. Uh, for for Thanksgiving Day between them and Thanks River, they they're both in Class L. Imagine that, you know, could be for a playoff spot, and uh, you know, for next thing you know, you're gonna be facing hand first round <laughs> or whatever. But you know, we talked about how many of these uh, uh, schools have lost uh, uh, enrollment, but the but the uh, the tech schools they're hanging in there, right? As far as like kids, so there's a lot of kids at these tech schools, and not all of them are all you know, as centric on sports as some other schools. So that's what kind of inflates the numbers and not necessarily inflates the, uh, the numbers of for what classroom, but not necessarily on how many players uh, they have. I think, I think uh, L, uh, QV had about 40, 45 players. That was about that, which is more than like some of these other schools. Look, look at uh, Plainfield uh, is way down lowest numbers in 30 years. Uh, Griswold, I think that, you know, they started with like 30, 31. They had injuries. They've gotten smoked a couple times. Uh, the co-ops even out here could be, well, Griswold's already in with Wheeler, but there could be more co-ops going ahead uh, 
with this. So it, it's a, it really is a, it's a fun, this, this is both a tech and a co-op. So there's, you know, these are the things it's kind of the way of the future. I mean, you know, the FCX not going that way, but a lot of other, a lot of other schools in the state are. All right. Well, uh, well, we appreciate you taking that big trip, but you know, it was a long way there, but you know, I think we got our money's worth certainly. <laughs> and certainly Quinnebog Valley got their money's worth. They won the game. So they had great time. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing them down the road. They're going to be some pretty big games, but uh, thanks Jeff for going out there. We appreciate you joining us for a little bit here and uh, you know, we'll, we'll catch you next week. We'll talk all about, uh, all about Newtown Darien. Yeah, they are not tech schools. Yeah, no, certainly not. <laughs> All right. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to Thanks, you in a little bit. So, Pete, that was Jeff Jacobs getting a little uh, cross-state uh, action there from C- giving the CTC a little love. We appreciate him coming on. And uh, with that said, let's get to our guest this week. Joining us on the show is the head football coach of Ledger High School. It's Mike Sericchio. Well, I, are you the first year coach? Or are you the second year coach? We don't really know how to really kind of do this. You didn't play any games last year, but you were hired last year uh, in the spring. So uh, what do you say? Are you the second year coach or the first year coach? It's an interesting question. Uh, I, I think I think the appropriate thing to say is first year head coach because th- these are the first football games that I'm coaching. Um, so I guess I guess I am the first year head coach. All right, well, thank you for joining us here at Game Time C- Game Time CT after dark. As you can tell by our uh, low lighting here now. <laughs> uh, well, welcome aboard, you know, two and oh at Ledger. This is that's pretty exciting. Um, you, uh, it must be really fun right now. Because, uh, you're taking over a program coach that's has struggled, has a lot of guys come in and out of there since Jim Unicor, your boss, uh, left and took a front office job, as I would say, you know, mm-hmm. and he replaced a legend and Bill McNall, the guys on the field. And now here you are, 28 years old. You know, tell me about like, you know, the challenge you face and, you know, how good does it be to, to be 2-0 to get started here? Yeah, well, you know, 2-0 two, two is, is very nice, um, but it's not the goal. And, you know, the goal is to win every football game we play. And so, you know, I'd be lying if I said it's not nice to have some success, especially, you know, considering the past years, you know, for the kids more than anybody else. Having them experience two wins right off the bat has, has, has been really special. Um, but like you said, I'm, I'm standing on the shoulders of giants here and, and there's been so much success in the past at Ledger. My whole thing was, you know, we're not, we're not starting from scratch. We're, we're rebuilding, you know, we're, we're, we're getting it back to where it was. It's, it's a proud community that loves football and, and wants to see the football team succeed. So I've had nothing but the utmost support from everybody involved. And so again, to, to put a winning product in the field so far ha- has been nice, you know, for the community and but mostly for the players. They kind of rolled out the red carpet there for you. You know, they have a brand new feel. They kind of like set everything perfect up. You couldn't ask for a better situation to be in, you know, to kind of ease you into this. Plus, you had a year off. I'm not a year off, but you had last year's pandemic, you know, which which stunk, I'm sure. But I don't know for a new coach, you know, young, just getting into this. I mean, was that kind of I don't want to say blessing in disguise, but that did it considering we what we had to deal with. Was it nice to at least, you know, be able to kind of get to know the kids that way? Yeah, it, it, it's it's interesting because there's there's pros and cons like anything else. Uh, you know, getting having a year to organize and and get all your ducks in a row, you know, is good. But you know, not having that game experience, you know, being under the lights and having you know the pressure on, kind of delaying that for a year, uh, you know, was the not so nice part of that whole deal. But you know, there's there's a silver lining in any situation, no matter which way you look at it, and. You know, dealing with all that adversity with the kids last year, you know, was was 
you know, in a way, a beautiful thing. You know, we're going to look back on that uh, in, you know, in years to come and, and look at it fondly. It was, it was absolutely insane. <laughs> it, it was obviously unprecedented. Obviously, that's a buzzword these days. So um, it was a wild ride, but I, I think the kids who stuck with it and who are still with us now uh, are much, much better off, uh, you know, for it as, as players and as people. Uh, you know, to go through something like that where you don't really have a plan because there's nothing to go off of and you're kind of just shooting from the hip every day. You don't know what you're going to get. It, it, it was it was definitely valuable. Uh, so I'm grateful for everything that's happened and everything happens for a reason. And, and we're here now. Take me a little bit. So you're a Springfield guy, Springfield College. Yep. Um, you know, you grew up in Stanford, right? Sure did. Uh, and you went to King School. You know, take us kind of like through your football journey here. Um, you know, so first of all, you know, King School, how come? And, uh, you know, what was the, the benefit of going to, the, to going to that nice institution? Yeah, so we're going to turn back the clocks all the way back to, I think it was fourth grade. I started playing tackle football for Stanford Youth, uh, which was an experience I look back on to this day very fondly. Uh, I met my best friend uh, on the team, Trey Tipton, uh, who was a, a very good football player in, in his own right. And so... Trey's dad and my dad were on staff on our, on our Kiwi team. And Trey was slotted to go to, to King that, that following year. And uh, that piqued my dad's interest. Um, so he looked into it and we got to, to talk to Coach Gowan, the, the legendary coach down at King, who's had a ton of success over the years and who's, who's a mentor to me and like a father figure to me. And so one thing led to another and, and I, I ended up there in sixth grade and it was, you know, something that I'm, I'll be forever grateful for and I'll be forever indebted to that institution because it was such an un unbelievable experience. It's kind of similar to the kids here who play with, you know, all their friends growing up through the, through the youth system. And so me and all my, my buddies played from sixth grade all the way through 12th grade together because King had a middle school. We played on the middle school team and then up, you know, through varsity in high school. Um, and I got a chance to play with two once in a lifetime players in Kevin Pierre-Lewis and Silas Red. Uh, who are very good friends of mine and, and are unbelievable human beings as well as football players. And so similar to, to, to Ledger, King had kind of struggled for years and years and years prior to our uh, glory days, so to speak. And so once we got that thing rolling, uh, it was really special to, to be a part of that. And again, to play football with two individuals who just simply do not come around so every, you know, so often. And so, you know, their, their success kind of, I guess parlayed into motivation for me to, to be, you know, the best I could be because we were all trying to, you know, do everything that we could do to be the best football team possible. And so on top of those two, we had a handful of other guys end up playing college football from those teams. You know, I went to Springfield, my buddy, Max Bordaki played at Princeton. Jimmy Georges went to Western New England. Um, Joe Santoro eventually went to uh, Springfield college as well. And so we had we had guys that 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 love football and, and it was a tremendous environment and a culture to be a part of. And again, it's a credit to Coach Allen for for setting the stage, you know, so much so that I went back after my undergrad was done at Springfield um, to coach there. And um, we had some pretty good teams then, too. We won, you know, two New England championships, uh, which we actually weren't able to do in my years there. So being a coach and a player there was, was really awesome. And, you know, the, the King School will always have a special place in my heart. And uh, that's where I, you know, cut my teeth as a coach before I went back to Springfield. Um, and so, I, I, again, I'm, I'm so grateful for, for, for King and Coach Gowan most of all. So at King, I, I looked up your max prep stats. Yeah. So you, you a little quarterback, a little running back, I see. 
<laughs> yeah, it was. It, it, it's a weird career arc for me. Yeah, because then you played offensive line in college. That's right. Yeah. So, so how do you go from taking snaps to blocking for the quarterback? I'll tell. I'll, I'll tell you. <laughs> so, you know, coming up in youth, I was, I was, I was really shifty. I had moves. I played running back and quarterback. Uh, I had some success, and then I got to King. I was still kind of a small, smaller kid. Um, played quarterback and, and defensive back um, through like my sophomore year. And then I really started to enjoy, you know, lifting weights and got super, super into lifting weights, you know, so much so that I was an exercise science undergrad at Springfield. Um, and I got up to like 190 pounds my junior year. And uh, Coach Gowan decided to put me at, at, at fullback and linebacker, um, which was the, mo- was the most fun. I, I didn't really like ever playing quarterback. It was just kind of something that ended up happening. Um, and I had a strong arm, but I, I wasn't back there slinging the rock. I was just giving it to Kevin Tyler. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so I got in the mix there and like, I got recruited to play linebacker at Springfield, um, which I still think is a, is a, is a coup to this day, but that's a different story. Cause the first day I got there, they moved me to offensive line. And so I re- I quickly realized that I wasn't as fast as I thought I was. And I, I ended up playing offensive line. And honestly, it was the most fun I've ever had playing football in my entire life. And the, the offensive line culture at Springfield is singular um, and unique. And again, I'm so happy it happened because I think it, it, it first of all, helped me as a coach. But second of all, I, 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 I truly do believe that, you know, the game is won on, on the line of scrimmage. And, and no matter what system you're running, no matter who you have or who you're playing, um, and we had some some really good games at Springfield, man, where we got we got it rolling, and you know, four or five hundred yards later, uh, you know, we had won the game. And so, as weird as it is, I, I, I enjoyed it all so much. But again, looking back, I wish I would just played guard, you know, when I was little, because it, it ended up happening that way anyway. But it was it was such a blast, man. It was it was awesome. That's so, that's fascinating because I, I saw you on the Springfield side of the offensive line, and like I've seen photos of you, like, hey, he's a big guy, and then I pull up Max Preps, and I see like. 19 for 30, 68 completion percentage. I'm like, yeah. this is, this yeah. kid wasn't that bad. <laughs> yeah. And I, and, I, and I was a baseball player. And, and again, I, I had a strong arm. And so like at Springfield, we ran, we ran option. And so like those kids couldn't really throw all that well. Um, and so like on Thursday practices, we had this period called special plays where they kind of just let us do whatever we wanted. <laughs> so like every Thursday I would get back there in the shotgun and let one fly like 50 yards, let the quarterbacks know that, you know, I know what I'm doing. You don't have the strongest arm in the team, so let's not get it twisted. I'm a Swiss Army knife. <laughs> I just use that term to describe some other kid, but yeah. Yeah, you go down. I'm next in line. Yeah. <laughs> but not obviously, because I was big and slow. But. So, uh, you know, you're at Springfield, and, uh, you know, well, tell me about Ledger. You know, how did this come up? And, you know, and did you know you – I mean, you must have done some of your homework. And did you know what you were going to get into? I mean, you, it's like you said, standing on the shoulders of giants there. You know, Bunicor was great. And then obviously Bill Mignall, you know, and then Bunicor's dad, and you following him, you know, uh, you know, he was that new one. But, you know, it's there's some there's some history you're following there. And you're here. You are 28. I mean, uh, you know, I think I got my first big gig when I was 28. And, you know, it's kind of uh, well, here it is. This is the moment here. But tell us about where how'd you get the ledger job and how you became interested in it and then what happened? Yeah. So um, I was a GA at Springfield College and being a GA at Springfield College is also a singular experience because, you know, GAs at, at the higher levels are kind of just uh, an extra set of hands that do a lot of busy work um, most of the time. But at Springfield, you are 
you're a position coach. So you have your own position to coach. You're a full-time recruiter with your own area. And you're also getting a master's degree on top of that. And so I got the full college football experience at Springfield. I knew very quickly that college football is not what I wanted to do. And I always knew that, but it, it cemented itself at Springfield, because, you know, because I loved, I loved doing what I did there because Springfield College means so much to me and working for Coach Sarasula was uh, a no-brainer for me. But I knew that after Springfield, it was, it was time to, to go back and, and coach high school. And so one of my best friends in the world uh, who I met at Springfield College is Bobby Bozum. And Bobby Bozum is a ledger legend. Mm. And so when I was a junior, Bobby was a freshman. And so we became very close. Um, he was, he's, he's, he's as prideful of an alumni as we have at Ledger High School. And so he was very quick to, to drop a Ledger name whenever he could. Um, me and Bob ended up being on the same staff at Springfield. He was the offensive line coach and I was the receivers coach. And so we spent a ton of time together. Like when you're a, G, when you're a GA at Springfield, all, you just see these the same eight dudes like 24 hours a day, 365. And so um, he alerted me when the, when the ledger job was open. And uh, again, as, as passionate as he is about ledger, he feels the same way about uh, Jim Bunicor. And he, you know, let me know how much support I would get from coach Bunicor and how, you know, proud the program was and how it's been, you know, hectic over the last couple of years. And they kind of just need some stability and direction. And, um, you know, he thought I was qualified. So I, I, I totally jumped on it and uh, I applied. And uh, I'm, I'm forever grateful for Coach Bunicor for taking a chance on me. And here we are. That's a good, that's a good endorsement, Gary, getting Bobby Bozeman to, to step up for you. And Bobby just got his, I didn't realize this until just now. So, Bobby, if you're listening, I just followed you on Twitter just now. I didn't even. I promise you he will listen to this for sure. Yeah, no, he well, he follows me and I'm like, oops, <laughs> he's at <laughs> Yale now. He got into job last year. So congratulations, Coach Bozeman. Yeah, you know, Bozeman, you know, that's awesome. Yeah, quick aside, Bobby, Bobby Bozeman's as good as uh, a young O-line coach as there is around. Like that kid can coach his face off um, and he's at a great spot in Yale. But uh, Bobby Bozeman is, is, is a hell of a football coach. And again, an even better person. That's my guy. Well, like I said, it's a good thing. You know, if you're going to get an endorsement, there's one right there. I mean, you know, you buy. <laughs> so uh, um, and so you're you're there. And uh, but, you know, tell me about the outlaws. Now, this has obviously been, been, a, been a key piece here. You know, you got Marcus Outlaws, a legend at FA, and he's got two younger brothers that, uh, you know, and he's looking for gigs. I know he was he was going to get the, the basketball job there. Because uh, there's some been coaching moves there, but tell us about you know how Marcus and he, and his brothers ended up coming to Ledger. I mean that's kind of like sacrilege almost for an FA guy to go to Ledger, but you know Marcus seems like he's uh, found a home there. Yeah, I mean so we had two openings, you know one on our football staff, one on our basketball staff. Obviously Marcus was looking for you know a place to go, um, and you know myself and Coach Exum, Coach DJ, um, are both you know younger younger guys, yeah. and. Uh, you know, Marcus and DJ have, have a, a friendship. Um, and so, you know, they got to talking and you know, obviously DJ, DJ let him know about the football opening and how, you know, I was a younger, a younger guy and we probably get along really well. And so when Coach Bunicor brought him in, me and DJ, you know, were there to talk to him. And, and right, you know, right away, I knew what I was getting. Um, you know, I, I color myself a, a good judge of character and it, it doesn't take long to know what you're getting when you meet Marcus Outlaw. Um, just a salt of the earth individual. And so it was an easy decision for coach Bunicor and also, you know, myself and coach Exum. Um, 
And wouldn't you know it, he has two younger brothers who are very, very talented. So that just happened to be happened to be a bonus. And it all, it all worked out, you know, really nicely for, for Ledger High School. Marcus is he he's the best. He I what a what a great player back when he was in high school. But he was also like re, he was one of those fun guys that you're gonna that you remember 20 years from now who just he was all over Boldy when he when he was playing at NFA. He's like, you gotta come up, you gotta come up, you just send him everything. Yeah. He was he was he was all time. Uh, is all time. Yeah. Well, I, I, like I said, he, uh, the first time I saw Marcus Outlet was, so I was running the po the Connecticut posts blog. Like that was our big thing then. And, uh, you know, NFA was this upstart team and they were having a really good season, but we didn't really, you know, pay attention to the Eastern Connecticut conference kind of gets left out, you know, out a bit, you know, you know, you know, the ECC, I mean, it's been a very good conference over the years, won a bunch of state championships, but, you know, we're down in Fairfield County. We're all like, well, well, Ledger. I mean, NFA, come on. Yeah. So they come over to West Haven in the, the semifinals. They play Staples, which is, you know, this is 2012 now. Yep. And uh, and Staples, it, it was a big show. They're going to play Xavier in the final. You know, they had an all time team. It was one of Mars's last great teams that at Staples. And they both met in, at West at uh, Ken Strong Stadium and Marcus just was just crushing it. The first carry, I'll never forget it. It's on YouTube somewhere. He caught, he got the ball and just ran over people, dragged about three or four, you know, Staples kids from I remember and just had an amazing game. The whole team had an amazing game. And they went to the finally lost to Xavier, another all-time team. That was great. I mean, sure. Tim Boyle, let's, you know, let's start there. But anyway, so, I mean, I'm looking at the footage of Ryan and I know he was all fired up about his kids, kid brothers going there. And I'm looking at the footage of Ryan. He's wearing 21, running all over bacon last weekend. I mean, he was just, it was, it was impressive. And uh, I see a lot of the same thing. I know he has another brother, you know, obviously another brother, but I see some of the same things in Ryan. I see, I see in uh, Marcus. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Ryan Outlow is a, a, a specimen for sure. Uh, probably our biggest, strongest and fastest kid that we have. Um, and just a very gifted, you know, athletically, but what makes him, you know, who he really is on the football field is is the 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 not measurable uh, part of, of of his game, and that's his coachability, and uh, how badly he wants to be great, and how badly he wants to win uh, football games, and um, you know everything that we preach at Ledger, uh, from a programmatic standpoint, as far as you know how we carry ourselves, how we go about our business, um, you know, on and off the field, uh, he's he's dove headfirst into. And so, you know, day by day, he's, his leadership is developing as well. Um, and just a, a total value add for, for our football program in every way you could possibly imagine. Um, and so his, his athletic ability kind of takes a backseat in my mind just to the, to the kind of kid that he is um, just overall. You know, just, you know, the way you're talking about, you know, the outlaws and, and these high school athletes, you know, coming from college, you know, what was the what have you, you know, noticed is maybe the biggest difference from, you know, coaching a, a division three, you know, football team, uh, you know, coaching a position on a, a college football team to, to, you know, leading a program at the high school level. Yeah. There's not a heck of a lot of similarities <laughs> and um, it has been interesting because, you know, especially at ledger, we got a, a smaller roster. So now you have, everybody plays both ways. No way fans are butts about that. Um, your practice time is limited your meeting time is limited and the experience of the players is it varies from, you know, kids who can potentially be all state to kids who uh, are still learning the difference between offense and defense. And so figuring out how to get everybody coached up appropriately, you know, finding out how kids learn, you know, reminding kids how much football is and yet 
how big of a commitment it is uh, after a year away, uh, you know, relearning how to block and tackle. You know, I think that's the biggest thing is, is teaching the fundamentals is so huge on a day in day out basis. You know, in college, it's important too, but like you have guys that can, can tackle, you have guys that can block, you're kind of refining the, the details of their games. Here you're teaching kids how to get into a stance. You know, what foot do you step with? You know, cadence. Um, what's a hash mark? What's, what, what's, the, what's the pylon? What's it, like, what, it, all these different things that you uh, might assume a kid might know. Uh, you can't assume anything at the, at, at the high school level. Even especially. more so this year, coach, huh? Exactly. After a year of not having, you know, any football, any, any real football, you know, to, to, to go off of. Um, but I, I, I give so much credit to our assistant coaches, you know, Mar- Marcus especially. Marcus is our only coach in the building at Ledger. And so the kids see Marcus more than anybody. Um, and you can't really ask for a better guy to, to fill that role as far as a kid or a man, sorry, who connects with the kids um, almost instantly. And every kid from, you know, fr- freshmores to, to seniors, uh, he has a connection with and a relationship with. Um, and a guy who's, who's, who's years ahead of the curve as far as, as, as coaching goes. Um, you know, he's a young coach, but, you know, the way he carries himself and the way he, he, he coaches the kids, you wouldn't be able to tell. Um, so, you know, him and, and our other assistants, Coach Chimbalewski, Coach Wilbur, uh, Coach Giesing, Coach McCarthy. Coach McCarthy's first year, it's, it's his first year coaching. I coached, I coached Coach McCarthy at Springfield. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so we, we, we have a, a tremendous, tremendous staff uh, who totally bought into what I'm, 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 trying, to, I'm trying to do programmatically. And uh, I, they, they do such a good job. You know, I think oftentimes head coaches get too much credit. Um, because at the end of the day, it comes down to your kids first and foremost, and you know how bought in they are and, and how much they trust you. But again, you have five other guys who are responsible for coaching the kids. You know, I'm not I'm not coaching everybody. Um, it's a it's a full you know organizational programmatic deal. You know all the success we have is 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 due to the players and the assistants. Um, and then you know if and when we fail, I'm gonna have to figure out a better way to 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 point those guys in the right direction. But um, can't say enough about the players and, 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 you know, my staff so far this year. It's, it's, it's really been awesome. So this is a young team, not just on the team, but like in the coaching staff, too. I was yeah. just going to say, Justin Outlaw, we didn't even talk about him, but he's a sophomore. Yep. You have James Green. You have Dax and Paul, the old juniors. Yep. And you got a young coaching staff. I mean, uh, you know, I'm sure Jim Butikor is sitting there going like, what am I, a daycare or something? Here? Yeah. It's, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I, may, I may make them nervous sometimes, you know, not being as, uh, you know, detailed as, as, as he would like as far as like the administrative piece goes. And that's, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of what I'm learning as I go here. But, um, and I, you know, I, I have full confidence in, in the football product that we're putting out there. Um, and I think, I think, I don't, I don't think I know he does too. Um, but again, he, you know, he's, he's hiring all these young guys and, and, and gals across all sports. So it's it's kind of something that we're we're hanging our head on, um, you know. I, th- I think it's important because you know at, at the end of the day, if you can't connect with the kids and you can't build relationships with the kids and the kids can't trust you, and you don't really see eye to eye with the kids or can relate to the kids, yeah. you could be you could you could have the best scheme in America, but it's not going to matter. Um, so I think with with hiring young coaches, not that older coaches can't do it, but um, hiring younger coaches, you know, it's it, it might be a little bit easier to to build those inroads, uh, you know, especially with high school kids. What's it uh, you know, like having him? He must be good, good to have him in the building. At, you know, your boss there, but I mean, he wants to, he wants Ledger to win too. And you, I'm sure you said he wants you to be successful. You know, you could just 
whatever you want, I guess you uh, can ask him for, you know, what, what would you do in this situation or what you, you know, some advice or I, I'm sure he wants you to do your own thing, but you know, if you need some help, I'm, you know, Jim Bunerker is right there. No, I know. Absolutely. And um, again, I'm, I'm young. I haven't really been around that many uh, ADs, but you know, from what I've seen from, from, Ms., from coach Bunicor, if there's a better AD in the state of Connecticut, you know, I'd like to see him and, and know why he's better than Jim. Um, you know, and obviously Jim is a football guy, but Jim gives equal, attention and effort to every single sport in the building. Um, and I think it shows, you know, we've, we've, we've been successful this fall. We've had obviously success in the past across all different sports. Um, but I've been extremely lucky as far as my mentorship is concerned um, between coach Gow and coach Sarasulo. And now coach Bunicor, I, I, I truly could not imagine working for a more supportive, um, you know, person, you know, someone who's going to, who's going to tell me when I'm wrong and what, what, what I need to fix and be very, you know, blunt about it and not, uh, you know, not, pulling any punches, but because again, it's, it, it needs to be done the right way. And then a guy who also, again, is going to support me, you know, no matter what I need, as long as I'm holding up my end of the bargain, you know, the guy's going to bend over backwards for me and my program. But again, it, it, it goes across all sports at the high school and then it, it goes into his role as the assistant principal as well. Um, Full disclosure, Jim Bunicor and, and the Eastern Connecticut uh, foot chapter of the National Football Foundation gave me a person of the year award, which is behind me. Yeah, not so I just want to make sure I you know, shouted Jimmy out. Because <laughs> he gave my mom a really nice that my family a really nice afternoon, especially my mom was thrilled uh, about that. So thanks, Jim. I gotta give you the props. That's big time. Person of the year. That's 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 a big that's a big talent pool you're going from. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I uh, I I know it was really nice. It was really nice from uh, but I, I figure it was just just so you, everyone knows, full disclosure, you know, Jimmy uh Jimmy did a really nice thing for me. But go ahead, Pete. Uh, no, I was going to say, and I'm looking at your schedule. Obviously, you have Waterford uh, coming up. Your your CT Football Alliance game is against Lyman Hall week four. I mean, I, they should have sent you to the other Wallingford school. You should have played Sheehan, Farazi. He's a Springfield guy. That would have been awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, what are we yeah, doing awesome. here, Alliance? He's running a hell of a program. Yeah, that would have been so much fun. Two Springfield we'll guys be- on the sideline. <laughs> We play on our schedule, you know, and I, hopefully I'm here for a long time. So we have, you know, we have plenty of time to do it, but you know, yeah. we play on our schedule. We're looking forward to playing Lima. What other Springfield uh, alums are out there? I mean, other than our friend, Sean McFarland, shout out. Who's actually leaving us from the Hartford current. He's actually just announced that he was uh, going to the Dallas morning news, Sean McFarland, best wishes. We loved having you here, but uh, what other Springfield alums are out there uh, in the, uh, the football world? Lou Marinelli is a Springfield guy. Yeah, yes. that's right. That is right. Yep. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo is a Springfield guy. Yeah. The the defensive coordinator at James Madison, okay. uh, Corey Heatherman, he's a Springfield guy. Uh, the safeties coach at University of Minnesota, Joe Harrison-Miak, he's a Springfield guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tim Murphy, the head coach at Harvard, he's a Springfield guy. Wow. Yeah. Offensive coordinator at Yale, Kevin Cahill, he's a Springfield guy. Look at that. I had no, I, I mean, I knew, you know, Springfield's got a great program and, you know, they – Obviously, that you see a lot of kids on signing day. They, they end up going there or signing day. You know, they they end up going to Springfield. They announced that and they've got their hands all over the state. But uh, look at this. I didn't know it was that. I forgot that Lou. I think Lou just got an award or something like that or some sort of achievement thing. I don't know. But uh, I forget. I remember that he was. Sure, I, he got yeah, he got more he than one award. He hasn't gotten. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he probably has a couple uh, sports person of the years, uh, unlike Sean, who only has one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's got like 20 on hey, one for you. <laughs> But what is it about Springfield? I mean, it's just a great place, huh? Yeah, it was it was founded on 
you know, education and, and mostly physical education and, uh, you know, physical education and coaching are, you know, kind of married to each other. Um, and it's, it's a proud football tradition. I mean, they've been playing for 130 years now. And Amos Alonzo Stagg was the, the first coach and James Naismith was the center on the team. And, um, you know, like Jim wow. Thorpe, Jim Thorpe played there one day. It, it, you know, it, it's a, it's an unbelievable tradition for such a, a small school in, in central mass, but, um, you know, you take that many years of existence and pair that with a proud tradition of, you know, developing PE teachers who also, you know, end up coaching. And then uh, again, the GA program that they have is, is insane. They, ha they have eight graduate assistants who each and every year go on uh, to all types of levels of football, you know, from high school to the NFL. Um, and so that's why they call it, you know, the cradle of coaches. It's, it's something, you know, we pride ourselves on and I think the word's out now, you know, any, any young, young coaches that are interested in, in, you know, perfecting their craft, it's, it's a great place to be. So this is like one of those schools where like the, the school's reputation precedes you. Like they're like, oh, he's a Springfield guy. Oh, all right. We got to give this guy an interview, huh? I mean, yeah. I mean, people in the know, you know, they do say that, but Hey, it's, 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 it'll get you in the door, but it's not going to get you the job. Um, and so, you know, as a Springfield, a Springfield guy, you got to be make sure that you're, uh, you know, doing the program proud and, um, you know, holding up your end of the bargain because, you know, the name's not enough. Right. I understand that. I mean, I think a lot. I mean, I went to Syracuse and all these, you know, big time Syracuse broadcasts. You got all, you know, all the people all going to sports journalism. Got to live up to that name and stuff like that. So right. That's kind of hard. And I totally get that. And, you know, Southern's got the same type of tradition with, with journalism as well. There's a lot of great journalism um, uh, 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 people in Connecticut who came out of and beyond. But I but I'm the greatest. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we all we all understand that. So just quick, uh, you know, uh, just to, about the game this week, you know, obviously Waterford, uh, they, they got some kids, uh, you know, kind of had a tough start to the year. But, uh, you know, that's going to be a challenge for you guys uh, this weekend. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. Um, you know, the biggest difference is just, you know, systematically, you know, we, we, go, we go from playing two wing T teams to a team who's going to spread us out and make us defend, you know, the whole field. Um and so again, yeah, they have, they have great athletes. Uh, you know, they have a receiver who is, is a, is a bona fide playmaker. The quarterback has a very strong arm. He's very elusive. He can run like a deer if you let him get in the open field and they have a, a very big and physical offensive and defensive line. Um, so we're, we're definitely excited for the opportunity because, you know, this, these are the games that, that, that you sign up for. Um, and so we look forward to hosting them and, uh, you know, we, we can't wait. Well, they're one and one right now. They just beat went they they beat Wyndham by three points last week. They uh killing. So I, I take that back. They not a really rough star. That was a good win for them last week. And like you said, they're pretty good. You know, I mean, obviously they have uh, the, the big D lineman is <laughs> he's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the what the one of those one of the things that has really been kind of worrisome is, is the the COVID still kind of creeping in and kind of maybe mucking around with the schedule. You know, as a coach, you know, how much do you, are you concerned about that? You know, and, 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 and what do you do to keep your kids, you know, on the straight and narrow, make sure everyone does the right thing. So we don't have that type of problem. I mean, we, a majority of teams have played, but you know, you can still see out there yet. Uh, you know, it can kind of come up and bite you at any time. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a, a super interesting, you know, facet of all of our lives uh, across the board, you know, not just football, but, you know, I, I think all you can do is, is, you know, follow the mandates, do what, uh, you know, the professionals are telling us to do to the best of our ability. And, uh, you know, that's all we really can do. We can't really worry about anything else if we're doing our, if we're holding up our end of the bargain, um, that's really all that we can do. And so, you know, we're not gonna, um, 
you know, worry about it too, too much if we're doing, you know, what we're supposed to do. But, you know, I, I, I tell our team all the time, you know, it, it, it is real. And if we don't do everything that we can do to mitigate it, you know, it can literally, you know, derail our season uh, at the drop of a hat. Um, and so it's kind of a dark cloud, you know, over, over everybody right now. Uh, but again, you know, as a coach, you, you just got to make sure that they're doing, you know, what they're supposed to do, masking up, you know, staying, uh, you know, three to six feet apart whenever they can. Um, but there's, there's only so much you can do. It's, it's, it's unpredictable and it's uh, unbiased. So like I said, as long as you're, you know, checking the boxes and, and following mandates and, and guidelines, you know, that's, that's, that's all you can really do. Certainly. Uh, and uh, Pete, take us out on a high note, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you mentioned my stuff behind me, the Marvel stuff. So, who's yeah. your favorite superhero then? Yeah, my favorite superhero. That's a good. That's a good question. Um, so, my wife and I actually watched every uh, Marvel movie from the Infinity oh, War saga. Uh, like your Pete's over, best friend over quarantine. Um, <laughs> and again, going back, you know, to my meathead roots um, and my Springfield days, you know, loving to to pump iron and whatnot. It's hard for me not to say Thor. Yeah. Uh, especially after the whole Ragnarok, you know, rebirthing thing. I wasn't a huge fan of what they did to him with uh, the, you know, the, the end game deal there. Yeah. But I understand what, why they did it. It was funny. You know, it was enjoyable. Yeah. Um, He'll, he's going to be back. I don't know if you saw yeah, the photo right. that Hemsworth posted. Yeah. He so, looks huge. <laughs> he'll be back. Um, but definitely eye patch Ragnarok Thor is, 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 is tough to beat for me. Oh my God. Especially with Led Zeppelin playing. Yeah. Oh my I, goodness. I, that gets, that one gets, of the, I, I worship Led Zeppelin. So like when I was in the theater and I, I saw that scene, I was like, oh, my. <laughs> that was awesome. Now it's the best. My I, I watch that show right now, actually. Yeah, I, I actually just got Black Widow in the mail. So I, I, I've, I've already seen it, but. Yeah, I get to see that one. Uh, yeah, I, I got to go see Shang-Chi as well. I haven't gone to the, I haven't, haven't had time to go to the movies. So Yeah, you know, during the fall. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> I gotta break this, uh, this I, I've been, up. I've been trying to get Sean to watch those yeah, movies I, I, forever. It's apparent to me that that Sean does not share our uh, affinity for the the Marvel universe. That's okay. The first movie I ever saw in the theater was Superman, the original Superman. First of all, it tells you how old I am. Um, right. But the Christopher Reeve Superman and, and Gene Hackman and I, and the the first Batman movie I saw was the original Batman and I uh, with uh, Michael Keaton and, and uh, Jack Nicholson, which I th- which was amazing. That was like. The buildup to that was just unbelievable. We'd never seen anything like it. You know, it was like uh, people were like falling over each other just to go watch that movie in 89. But uh, and I also watched the campy one, too, when I was a kid. I love that. But then it just got a little just too nuts, man. Just my, my brother was a huge comic book fan. I, you know, it just get, got a little too much for me. That's all. I would give it one more try. It's, yeah, I, it's, it, it's really well done. OK, well, I, actually, I own I, I own I every the, movie. I caught I can... Infinity War sliver of it. Uh, like I think a couple weekends in a go, and I was just like, I've never watched this stuff. So anyway, so yeah, it's hard to follow. It's yeah. the best. Anyway, all right, uh, Coach Sericchio, thank you very much for, and that is Sericchio, everyone. Just so yes. you know, make sure you get it right. Thank you. Uh, that is very important that we get all everyone's names right. I'm Bully. That's Paguaga. He's <laughs> speaking of guys who don't have who have tough people, tough time to pronounce his name. Yeah. So Sericchio is his name, and he's the head coach at Ledger High School. 2-0, big game with Waterford this week. You know, shoot, ought to be a good one, and then uh, and away we go. So, uh, Coach, thanks a lot for giving us a little time. Tell Marcus and the guys we said hello, and uh, I'm sure we will see you out there as soon as we possibly can. Yeah, we'd love, we'd love to have you guys come to any game that you want. So come on down. We'd love to have you.
Absolutely. Right. And Jim always points out the best food spots. I went to a baseball game two years ago and I ended up going to this hot dog place. It was delicious. I've never been to a game at water at uh, Ledger yet. Huh. What a shame. Yeah. I, mean, really I, saw him. I, I went, I went out to Bacon Academy and saw him play a few years back when Jimmy was there. And then mm-hmm. I've been to Waterford and New London. I've never been to Ledger. How about that? Brand new they, field. They have alpacas, Sean. Yeah. yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. <laughs> All right. Well, it's on the it's on the bucket list. So we'll get out there soon enough. Coach, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. We uh, will. Good luck the rest of the way. All right, Jens. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. So, Pete, that was Mike Sirky from Ledger and uh, out Ledger. It's not the same without Ledger. And I'm glad they're two and getting a little going here and uh, some outlaws and uh, away we go. That should be a good game this weekend with Waterford. Yeah, it will go a long way in telling us maybe where Ledyard stands on a state level. Obviously, it's a conference game, but that'd be a big win for that program. And, you know, coach was great. But, it, you know, I just loved when he was talking about Bunicor because Bunicor, friend of the program, uh, he's a great guy. And he's he's, you know, he's one of the. When I went up to Ledyard for a baseball game, he was sending me like all these different like restaurants. He's like, oh, this place has the best hot dogs. This place is this. You want to meet the alpacas? Like, <laughs> you know, I go there and it was like open arms. Like, you know, so, it, you know, it's nice to see them back in the win column. Um, and, you know, a win here can go a long way for that program. Yeah, it certainly should. And, uh, you know, we'll be anxious to watch them. And uh, it's Alliance Week, Pete. We've got lots of games, lots of coverage. Newtown, Darien. I mean, uh, we are just getting started. It's still only September, and uh, man, and I, it's it's been a slog, but uh, we're happy with us, and we're happy to get the season started. Let's move on to week three. This is <laughs> for Pete Pagwaga. I'm Sean Patrick Bowley. This has been the Meat Grinder on Game Time YouTube. Love you.